Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your host of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by the curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contributions of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person performance from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their business, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode number 27 of the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Rust are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Bill Coswell, president of CCCC, a coaching and strategic planning company, as well as a co-founder of an internet e-learning company. Prior to his coaching and e-business, Bill founded a 300-person financial software company that spanned across Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. Earlier in his career as an engineer, Bill was responsible for inventions in the field of radar, worked under uh, contracts with NASA, firing rockets into the upper atmosphere, and has authored 27 books. Welcome, Bill. So glad you're here. Oh, thank you very much, Andrew. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and your journey there. Well, um, <clears throat> I think you've already said enough about me, but I will <laughs> say uh, the company itself uh, coaches presidents and how to be more effective. Mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce two words here. They are effective and efficient, and they get tossed around and interchanged and so on, but we clearly define both. Effective is delivering the goods that somebody needs. Efficient is doing things with a minimum of wastage. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, the priority is that first you must be effective before you can enjoy the luxury of being efficient. That is, if I'm making a new little widget and it doesn't work, it doesn't matter how efficient I am. I've got to make it work first. So I've got to deliver the goods first. I've got to first be effective. And as a little side note, I make jokes about this. The governments are busily running around trying to be more efficient. And they get efficiency experts, and nobody looks at being effective. So it's bound to fail. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Why definition? What I'm hearing from that, Bill, is creating the that foundation of what you're working on. And as you mentioned, um, being effective is getting it to work first. And then from there, fine-tuning the machine, so to speak, to get it to do those things better. Yes, that's right. And what's interesting, it is efficiency that brings in your profits. Until you become efficient, you won't be profitable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, it's interesting. So, um, to <clears throat> the other point I'll make about the company, um, it's, it's kind of a boutique company. It's me and several other people. Uh, and we, um, I do a lot of work in Mexico. I happen to speak Spanish, um, <clears throat> as well as Canada, India, Russia, and, and other places. Mm-hmm. And so, so t- tell us a little bit more how you've moved from working with NASA into the coaching realm. <laughs> okay, so. Actually, the next step after NASA was to form my own company called mm-hmm. SPS, that was a software company. And in about the year 2000, I sold it for a very nice price. <laughs> and then I retired for a week. It's about all I could stand. For a week. Okay. And then I thought, well, what can I do? And I decided that I should try to help others be successful in the business endeavors. And I I have this very high regard for business. Mm -hmm. It's the most effective delivery mechanism we have. It makes everything work. The earphones that you're wearing, the hair dewy that you have, the books behind you all come through business operating effectively. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to do what I could do to help. I wasn't conceited enough to think that I knew all the answers of how to run a business. And with an associate in Washington, D.C., we studied 55 different business methodologies. We found some were pretty good (laughs) and some weren't. Uh, But the point is that after looking at these, we started to see a pattern and then evolved the system for that. Mm -hmm. And then when we launched the system, it worked. And it has worked ever since. It, it has never failed to work and work very well. When we engage with a company, the average uh, improvement the company sees is 32% in the first year. Subsequent years, it's less than that. Mm-hmm. But that, um, we don't keep that average anymore. We, we maintained it for the first few years. And pretty excited with them. We said, well, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in that statement, Bill, in that you've taken the time to really understand business from an economic lens and a strategic lens as to what works. And it's almost sounding like a little bit of reverse engineering of what has been done in past, what's the well, good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and and what can work currently. Yeah. So that, that's the point. I've engineered what it is that makes a company work. So it's just an engineering formula. And it works mm. every time. There has been no failure, not even close to failure. Well, the exception being when people don't follow up, we tell them what to do. I'm <laughs> 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 surprised. Yes, yes. 
So I, I'd love to hear a little bit more, uh, Bill, and I, I can imagine, you know, as Man had mentioned, in terms of reverse engineering this and getting a better understanding of what's out there. And I think our, our listeners would love to know a little bit more about the patterns that you've seen and that you've been able to offer up um, to the companies that you've worked with. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. The, um, the first thing is to understand that people are important to you. Now, that's a cliche, but it's actually true. And many people throw around this cliche, but they don't exercise it. Question, do you treat your employees like adults or children? Do you keep all their secrets away from them, like children? Or do you treat them like adults and share them? Share your financials, share your problems, share your concerns. Mm. So what do you want? A group of children working with you or some adults? So that's the first thing you have to think about. If you're going to have adults with you and you need to share devices, then you've got to have mechanisms to do that. Secondly, <clears throat> you have to listen. Now, again, it's a cliche. We all know the importance of listening. <laughs> but do we do anything about it? Mm. We don't. And so what we do is we install 15 different listening mechanisms. To give you an example, a planning session <clears throat> is sitting down, listening to your people, and deciding how to formulate a plan for the next 12 or 24 months mm. with a kind of a look out five years. So that's a listening mechanism. Establishing your vision, your mission, that's a listening. What do people think and what can they contribute to? Mm -hmm. And by the way, if 100 people are contributing to something, it's far better than the three or four people. So we introduce those. The most important listening device that we install is called a PMC, Problem Management Council. This is a group of eight or 10 people in the company who meet once a month for two hours to look at the new problems that have come in the door and to direct their resolution. That is, they don't solve them, but they say, okay, the uh, shipping department has to solve this one and so on and so forth. So they're like traffic cops. They're directing, but they pay attention to everything. So it relieves the president enormously. A big problem comes in instead of him fretting and so on, send it to the PMC. Now, who are these wonderful people that make up the PMC? Well, it's a person representing every level of the company. So the janitor might be there at the same time as the president. And the janitor, when he first attends, says, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm speaking directly to the president. And the president said, I can't believe you have so much good information to share with us. And it rotates. So people are in the position for only six months. Mm. And essentially, you want to cycle everyone in the company through it. And there's procedures and process and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But mm. That becomes a very important part of, of listening. 
We have a couple of other basic principles that are fundamental to human existence. And one of them is that emotions trump logic. And that you accept that you may not always make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say two things about that. One is what you can do about it. And the second is why that is so. And without getting into too much detail, <clears throat> the point is that we are built to survive. We are built to take care of our survival before everything else. Mm -hmm. And we have two little glands in the brain called the amygdalas. And those amygdalas institute 45 physiological changes to our body. Our adrenaline goes up, our eyes dilate, so on, so that we can escape, so we can do the fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And while it's doing that, it pushes away everything else, including our logic. So our logic at that moment, we can't quite answer. The, someone asks them, we're stumbling for an answer because the logic has deserted us. Hmm. And we want people to recognize that. Now, I'll give you a very simple example. We know that we have an obesity crisis. And we all know that in order to lose weight, all we have to do is not eat so much. Simple formula. But yet we have it. Why? Because the emotions take over and say, oh, well, I'll just have one little peanut. That won't bother anybody. <laughs> or whatever. And the emotions take over. And sometimes the logic colludes with the emotions to say, oh, that's okay. It's, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. and, and all of this is covered in different words. So these are some of the basic mechanisms. So we get, it's trying to get people to understand that. <clears throat> how the brain works is how we're going to see the whole company working. Mm. And this is not just something for the upper level. Everyone has to understand this and then work with it and start recognizing when their emotions are taking over. Now, a very simple way to deal with that is to get somebody else's opinion. So before you send out that nasty email, Turn to your working partner and say, what do you think of this email? And they will say, don't send it out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> well, you know, he blah, blah, blah. They, the emotion you taken over. Yes. Mm. There's, there's a lot in there. Yeah. <laughs> and more and more, Bill. Uh, so curious. So hearing the thought process around treating our team members like adults versus children and getting really frank with the C-suite to create those objectives and have those understandings. The way that you've positioned that bill is extremely powerful because it paints that picture as to what happens when you literally treat team members like children. And then getting into that listening piece, it's so powerful when it comes to your planning and getting into the problem management council side of things. I find it really interesting that it's a six month cycle so that there's what I'm understanding is collective, a collective approach to encouraging other team members to cycle through this uh, problem management council. How have you found it with this type of system and setup for you, how it's impact performance? Can you speak to us about that? Um, what do you mean past performance of the client companies? 
Uh, well, just in the sense of uh, deploying your model within the teams and companies that you work with, how does it positively impact their performance? What do you see in the sense of changes? Well, a couple of things happen. The most interesting thing is that a positive attitude develops almost immediately mm. after the first session, the first large session. And I, I remember once going to an office maybe two weeks after the first session and the receptionist said to me, what did you do? Feed everyone happy pills? <laughs> because they were whistling and happy and, and working along. There's, there's a <clears throat> also priorities that we get into and in that we have certain living priorities. And the number one priority we have after survival is to have control over things. We want control. And if you have children, you'll see how the children are struggling to get control. They want to control what they feel is their, I'll say, envelope. And we all want to control. And the moment the control is taken away from us, we don't feel so good. Mm. So we always have to keep in mind this control factor. If you go to a restaurant and you have a lovely meal and you think, I'm going to give this guy a $10 tip. And he says to you just before that moment, you know, typically a meal like this has a $10 tip. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not going to give you a tip. And why do you think that? Because you've lost control. Mm -hmm. When you had control, it was, it was okay. Mm. Or when you go into a dress shop and the sales lady comes over to you and says, when well, we have all these, hey, I'm just looking. I want control. Mm. I'll choose what I want. Mm -hmm. And so within all of the operations within the company, you have to pass that control to the individuals and see what they have it. So you can see there's no room here for micromanagement. Mm -hmm. mm. And so how have you reconciled with some leaders who might be more adept to being micromanagers and help oh, them transition boy. to oh, control up? Is that a good question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, when they come to us, and most of our business is through word of mouth, by the way when they come to us, they have already got an open mind. And I might uh, share an interesting statistic. Most of my CEOs are females. Hmm. They seem to be more open to learning how to do things and not hmm. feeling they know it all. And hmm. the men tend to have this, I know it, you know. I'm not going to ask for directions. I'll keep getting along. <laughs> Oh, good. Glad you enjoyed that, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the background, I'm thinking, how do we navigate that in a politically correct manner here? Um, <laughs> it's it's really interesting. And from a place of curiosity, how do you navigate that? Because regardless of gender, um, you know, ego can come up is what I'm hearing oh, when it comes yeah, to I, your I, I don't control. I, yeah. I don't discuss gender. Mm -hmm. It's not an issue. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you. <laughs> And um, in my books, they're all written uh, without any reference to gender. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a struggle to do that. I, it's not him and her or anything like that. It, no, it's written no. in such a way that it's totally neutral gender. Right. right. Uh, 
and and it, it does require a little bit of extra finagling. Certainly. So, so what I'm hearing, Bill, is is in that when it comes to relinquishing control, in your experience, has it been more of an ego thing that's coming up with regards to letting go of that control, or or what else is it that you've seen by way of trends in working um, with leaders? But, well, it, again, it, it, that has a deep answer. <clears throat> um, the simple answer. I'll give you a simple answer first, and. and I'll, and a more complex one later. Uh, the simple answer is that, yes, it is ego. Uh, but as I say, people who come have already decided to put that aside mm. and have decided the company is more important than me. Mm-hmm. And that we are more important than me. <laughs> mm. So that's that's the simple answer <clears throat> on a more complex basis we go back to how the human behaves and behavior is called temperament in 350 bc hippocrates came up with four levels of temperament of human behavior and from this has evolved all of the psychometric testing that we have today about personality there's different Myers Briggs, uh, colors, disc, and so on. They're all the same. There's four, and we have it too. So we have four different categorizations. And one of the first things we do with the company is to have people recognize what their temperament is. Mm. Again, not to get into too much detail, <laughs> but before each have names, we've given them names as the other people. Um, <clears throat> But the, typically, the first one we call producer is a person who's got ants in their pants, they're anxious, they're in a hurry, they're the bull in the china shop. And we all know that sort of individual. The second one is the analyzer, very detail-oriented, very careful, very cautious, very precise. The third one is the visionary, who's full of ideas and willing to try anything and takes crazy risks. And the fourth one is the friend who connects with people and really enjoys being with people and exploring who people are. Mm. And most of us have, are strong in two of these. We all have a little bit of them all, but most of us are strong in two of these. And we want to understand. If I had a choir that consisted of a soprano, an alto, a tenor, and a bass, I wouldn't ask the bass to sing soprano notes, and I wouldn't ask the soprano to sing bass notes. But mm-hmm. corporate America does every day. Oh, you can do that. Or you can get up and talk in front of people. You just have to take the course, and we'll show you how to do it. And the person is not disposed to do that. The temperament mm-hmm. doesn't take them there. Mm-hmm. They can do it, and they will struggle to do it, but they will not feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, if we understand where people feel comfortable, and we direct the work towards the comfort zones, guess what? They get a thrill out of working instead of struggle. And so we start changing into that. And we make it, it we make it common knowledge what everybody is, and, and they work with it. We don't force the common, we let people wait and you know, share it with others when they're ready, but most of them are quite quite quick about doing that. Mm-hmm. 
And so we now have a temperament. And if you want something done, give it to a busy person because they just keep doing it. Uh, and if you want it done really carefully, give it to the analyzer. Mm. And what I'm hearing from that, Bill, is that you guys almost take a bit of a litmus test to the company and identify within the organization what are the different temperaments and then place people into positions where they can actually thrive and leverage their strengths and leverage their temperament to be able to, to succeed rather than to try and fit them in a box where they might not fit as well. Well, absolutely. And we, it's more than just a litmus test. It's, it's 100%. You know, it is done. And we, and we discuss it. We discuss it on an ongoing basis. When it's time to hire, there's a 47% failure rate in hiring new people. They, you know, after 12 to 18 months, 47 are either looking for another job or found one. And why does that happen? <clears throat> well, first of all, when you're hiring, the one you select, you know, is got through the funnel. It, it, this is the, the champion of the group. And yet they fail six months later. What's going on? Well, it's not the technical skill, it's the temperament. So if you have a very, very busy person, uh, that is a person with a very busy temperament, and you give them a dull job, they're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you have someone who doesn't like to be busy and you make them very busy, they're not going to be happy. And it's just mm-hmm. the way we are. It's the way we're built. It's not right. It's not wrong. And we need all four temperaments to get things done successfully. So <clears throat> now we aren't so naive that we're suddenly going to shake up the company and change everybody's job. It just wouldn't work. But we can look at what the person is doing. And, 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 and shift a few of their tasks towards that. For example, on a production line, uh, I mean, this just seems so, well, so <laughs> simple, but we, on a production line where there are manufacturing loudspeakers, there was this chap, his name happened to be Omar, who was angry. He was standing on that line and he was assembling nuts and bolts into a speaker that fit into the speaker box. And mm-hmm. he was cursing as he was doing it. And I said, there, I said, Omar, what's, what's bothering you? He says, oh, the damn nuts and screws are in the wrong box. And I said, I oh. And uh, I said, why is that? He says, well, you know, you can see that we're, we have to put these in very quickly. And if we make a mistake, it drops to the floor, we haven't time to pick it up. So at the end of the day, we pick them up and we put them in the right bins. Well, guess what? They don't put them in the right bins. Oh. Omar, do you think that that's something you would like to do? Well, yeah, but uh, well, why don't you speak to your boss? Omar spoke to his boss and his boss said, fine, Omar, we're going to have you pick up that stuff, put it in, and you'll be less ascended. A week later, I came back. Omar was humming and whistling, and so was everyone else. Production was up 30%. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a great uh, story or analogy to the point of not only finding the right people for the right job, but also listening to employees at all levels. Mm. And the impact that listening to this one example here, Omar, who was on the production line, putting things together and saw this problem I can imagine maybe he wasn't the only one experiencing it, 
but he was able to now come in and solve the problem, not just for himself, but for everybody else. Yes, and there's a step more than that. Omar was distributing the characteristics of what we call the analyzer, the very detailed, mm. precise person. So we gave him a detailed, precise job of putting the nuts in the bin. You and I probably wouldn't enjoy that one bit, but he <laughs> loved it. Mm, yeah. And I have met cleaning ladies who love cleaning and hotel ladies who love fixing the rooms. And in one company I was at, they had, a, a again, a cleaning lady who cleaned this huge plant, and it was spick and span all the time. Mm -hmm. I remember asking uh, <clears throat> her boss, how much do you pay her? And he told me, it was pretty, pretty ordinary. I said, if she decides to leave you, what would you have to pay a new person? He says, well, I couldn't get a new person. I have to get two people. I see. Well, don't you think you should make sure you keep her? <laughs> so he called her and gave her a raise. <laughs> I really enjoy the way, Bill, that you have the ability to read these situations and influence the positive changes and the impacts that you have through the systems that you utilize. Uh, and I, I know that we could talk for hours on these topics between Scott and I. I feel, uh, I feel safe in saying that for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> What are three words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear? What are the words of inspiration? What are three words of inspiration? Oh, yes. Well, that you would want the world mm, to hear. Yes. I've already said one to you people want control, but I'm going to say another one that I heard don't piss off your employees. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time we've heard it from that angle, Ange, isn't yes. it? I love it. Yes, it is. It is. I really enjoy your risk-taking adventure, uh, Bill. <laughs> Do you care to elaborate on that quote a little bit or those words? Which one? Don't the piss off your employees. Yes. Well, the point is that if you're trying to give people control, why are they pissed off? They're pissed off because you haven't listened to them. Or they don't, they feel they can do it a better way. Mm -hmm. and, and you force them to go in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, if you have cooperating employees, and by the way, we are built to cooperate. The race is built to cooperate. We like to cooperate. We feel good when we're cooperating. We feel good when we can say yes. And we don't feel good when we say no. Mm -hmm. But we're built to cooperate. And what we want to do is to keep that cooperation going. And we don't keep it going if we turn the person off. Right. And we have discovered that a 10% increase in cooperation will achieve a 30% increase in productivity. Interesting. With multiplier. Yeah. And it doesn't take much that a dirty look to turn a person off. A ignoring what they're saying will turn a person off. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Very valuable insights, Bill. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. And we really appreciate sharing your entrepreneurial insights with Intuitive Performance and our subscribers. For those who would like to learn more about Bill's business, we're going to provide a link to his company's profile on the Elevate Business podcast title page. Take good care. Thank you very much for all of our subscribers to tuning in into another great episode of the Elevate Business uh, podcast. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuityperformance.com. 
where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.